Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a Welcome to the Dork Forest. I'm Jackie Cation. I'm your host of the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. If you love a determiner, and who doesn't? Uh, Family Pet Ancestry just takes you to JackieCation.com. And the website is new. Vilmos uh, just revamped it. I think he redid the store page as well. It's hard, I guess, on mobile uh, to make it all work right because uh, I have a shitload of uh, merch. So on JackieCation.com, so if you're looking at it on your phone, it takes you to sort of a flash page that you got to head back to whatever, see the tour dates and whatever. But Dork Forest, let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard. He sang it with his wife, Sarah Cohen. He will sing again words he wrote to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. And I think we just said Vilmos does my website. Things to do on the Internet. Yes, you. the Dork Forest is on DorkForest.com, of course. It's on AllThingsComedy.com. It's on Stitcher, probably. It's on SoundCloud. You can listen to it in a myriad of different ways, including iTunes. You can leave reviews on iTunes. You can, I read them. I, uh, and then you can email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, always, and I will always respond to your emails, though I won't always read them aloud because my dork addendum's way behind because I have another podcast with Lori Kilmartin and I'm on the road a lot doing stand-up comedy. If you want a Ranger the Dork Forest t-shirt or you want just a Dork Forest t-shirt, those are available on JackieCation.com. They're 100% cotton union made here in the United States of America. The prices include shipping na- uh, nationally and internationally. And you can also get there a stand-up comedy t-shirt that I sell called Spooky Reading Girl. You can get my CDs or DVD. There is a link to my DVD, which is available streaming from ComedyFilmNerds.com from their downloadable. And then you can always go to Amazon or iTunes and buy my CDs uh, just for downloadable streaming. And other than that, you can just listen to my CDs and DVDs. (laughs) You can just listen to my CDs on Pandora and Spotify. I get a little bit of a kickback. Speaking of kickback, if you want to support the show... You can use the donation button. It is under the support the show menu now. So it takes you right there. There's both the Amazon banner and the PayPal support the show button. Uh, PayPal is just a direct donation to the show. If you love the show and you want to support, I would love to be supported. And I appreciate uh, any donations that you give because it helps. Other than that, there's an Amazon banner. It doesn't cost you anything. All it is is a portal to Amazon. You order like normal at Amazon, and the Dork Forest gets a little bit of a kickback. So I would appreciate that if that's something you want to do. And you can come and see me do stand-up comedy. My, my tour schedule is on my website. This week I am going to Toronto for a long time. I'm doing the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. Just for Laughs 42 is what it's called. I'm one of the 42 performers getting to do an hour-long show. And I'm also opening up for Maria on her hour-long show. She's going to open up on one of my shows, hour-long show. And I want her to close it with her dropping the mic going, follow that, motherfucker. Anyway, so they're swearing on this show. Other than that, I think uh, I've said all the things that need to be said. And let's get into the show already. 
Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my, my living room at the Dork Forest, and I'm sitting here with a friend of the show. And I'm a friend of his show, Graham Elwood of Comedy Film Nerds. Hello. And the L.A. Podcast Festival. That's right. How the hell are you? I'm good. Yeah. I've been, this is my. You've been podding all day, I've haven't you? I've been podding all day. I did a uh, podcast, Chris, Chris Mancini and myself did a call-in podcast with the. Uh, of Comedy Film Nerds? Now a new show, this guy Boz Rutten, who's an ex-UFC fighter. Who was in the movie? Um, the, excuse me, the big boom with Kevin James. Okay, um, and he like is an announcer for the UFC. He's very fun. Gregarious UFC guy. being a hitting thing. What that's is- the hitting thing. Yes, Jackie. That is the, <laughs> that's the it's that's a, the cage is fight. It a United Fighting Company. What is it? <laughs> UFC. <laughs> It's the United Fighting Company, <laughs> and they have these fun little contests at the United Fighting Company. <laughs> they get together. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's like a, a it's a company party. Yeah, it's like they sell cupcakes and just to raise money for the fighting company. And Unicode. <laughs> what 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 does it stand for? Ultimate Fighting Championship. Ultimate. Okay, not yeah. underwear. Nothing. No, because no, they're not in their underwear. Are they <laughs> underwear? Not useless. No, <laughs> underwear. Fucking chop chop. It I don't should know what be it should uh, be. underwear. Fucking chop chop. But <laughs> people in. Tight clothes. Exactly. And a lot of that happening. beating each other. So. Which I like. Do you like, do you enjoy UFC? Yeah. Ultimate fighting? I think if the UFC would have been this popular or even been around when I was like in high school. Yeah. I would have done this. Oh, that's what, that would have been your thing? I would have been, I played football, but I would have been like, nah, I'm getting in a cage. And, and aren't you, don't you sort of yoga fight? Isn't there I, some <laughs> sort of karate? <laughs> Aren't you, aren't you some sort of hippie jock guy? Isn't that your thing? Graham's yoga fight. I do. Don't you put on yoga pants? And I then... do. I do all of that. I do yoga. I study martial arts. That's it. Martial. It is yeah. a martial art that you study, but it's less. It's more a defensive martial art, is it not? Well, I've studied just the flat out fighty ones. And okay. I've, and I've done the samurai sword, which is more of a Zen thing, and I take yoga. I for, You know what? I As always I, joke about that. I have at least three friends who collect swords, and uh, and I forget about you. I got at least four friends that's that right. collect swords. Put, <laughs> put Graham on that list. Uh, yeah, I, I I started doing a thing in my act where basically I say I'm a, I'm a hippie trapped in a meathead's body. <laughs> I'm very conflicted. I'm very like. Oh shit! Yeah. I forgot. So is it at Graham Elwood on Twitter? At Graham Elwood on Twitter. At Graham Elwood on Instagram. Instagram. I'm on the Facebook and, and Graham on Elwood. The Facebook. How about the snaps? You doing the snaps? Snapchat. I'm not on the snaps. Oh, Snapchat's where I'm hiding, man. It's that's, where I'm hiding. It's fantastic. <laughs> When my brother joined Instagram, I was like, ooh, I'm out. And, uh, yeah, so. I know. I got a niece on Twitter and I'm like, I don't want her reading. I know she's 16 or 17, so she's, oh, she's heard, fine. She's heard it, but I don't want to hear Uncle Graham. <laughs> Uncle Graham. Telling Trump to go fuck himself or whatever. <laughs> oh, pick, I do. Picking it. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, that that's needed to, to yeah. tell your niece. I, all, all of my Uncle niece. Graham's picking a fight with the NRA. I mm-hmm. challenged the whole NRA to fight me with their fists because I said guns were for pussies. Oh, that's it. That None is of them it. came out. None of them came out. That's, that's how they, that's how they roll. Yeah, that's, that's like, as as uh, as is said in the Dark Knight um, graphic novel from the eighties. It's the coward's weapon. <laughs> well, Batman would know. He's got throwing stars. Um, so <laughs> and smoke he? bombs <laughs> and smoke bombs. Those are the you know those are those are the weapons of a guy with a deep deep pocket. That's right. That's, uh, those are the those are the weapons of that guy. Uh. This it's, world is so lucky I never became a billionaire. Right. Just imagine your Batman story, man. It would have been. I would be solving crime. Right. Yeah. And or left. There'd be no Jerry Sandusky trial. <laughs> 
They'd be. Wait, is that that guy from Penn State who yeah. hurt kids? Okay. Hurt? Raped them. Yes, that's right. Jerry Sandusky. Well, I couldn't remember exactly what he had done to them, so I was like, did he rape them or kill them? I couldn't remember. And uh, Oh, just the rape. He was a football guy, right? Yeah, and, okay. was, and Joe Paterno and other people at the school knew about it for about, you know, 13, 14 years and did nothing because it would have fucked up the football program. Graham Elwood's dorkdom is injustice, you guys. Yep. It's, uh, <laughs> played high school football, but I'm done with the NFL, so suck it. Oh, because of the guy who wouldn't stand for the... That's no. Why. no. Yeah, that's why. Oh, God, I'm one of those guys. Oh, Jesus. I'm setting this jersey on fire. This is for my uncle who fought in Iwo Jima. Um, <laughs> no, no, not those guys. The other guy. It's the... Oh, God, where do you start with the NFL? Right, with the raping and the looting and oh, the pillaging. Oh, God. It, the, the, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So they didn't give a shit about domestic violence until it's on video. Then we're going to try and do something about it. Right. And the fact that they're killing each other's brains, that's oh. that's what le- that's what left me kind of in the dust about it. I was like, oh, wait, we're paying these guys a lot of money so that we can really developmentally disable them. Right. And we're watching, and the NFL knew about CTE and covered it up. Is that the concussion? That's the, that's yeah. the, yeah, that's the concussion mm-hmm. thing. Um, and they don't want to, you know, vet guys that gave their, literally gave their bodies and their lives to the game. They're yeah. just like, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> no benefits for you. Right. You know what? The, the Navy takes a responsibility for ALS, for Lou Gehrig's disease. Wow. Yeah, my father-in-law passed away from that. And um he was in the Navy and he went to the VA and the VA was like, "Yeah, we're uh we're just taking credit for that. We know that we were probably sitting on top of some napalm or something at one wow. point. And so we'll just pay for it." So, if the Navy can take, you know, some obscure disease and be in charge, you know, say, "Yeah, you're, yeah. we're going to cover you." How about the NFL which has a gajillion dollars? Gajillion dollars. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, the TV commercials. I, so I'm a vegetarian and uh, I don't drink. Right. And <laughs> I don't drive a pickup. So there's no advertising for me at all when you I watch like it. You like ladies, though. I do like the gals. So right. sure, a gal dancing around, a fucking steak pickup, <laughs> you're not beer gun is... Uh... <laughs> right. You're not completely against all the things. No. But uh, <laughs> that's just not enough. But why, but why aren't they harvesting, like, tomatoes? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, ready for a salad? <laughs> exactly. Let's get with some quinoa. Get a salad and you're a hybrid. Um, exactly. Anyway, so, that's my, I don't know. I, I went on a little bit of a rage. Right, right. But well, fair enough. It's, uh, so you, you did that podcast and then you did Pardo's podcast. I was and just on never, never not funny. Not funny. On the, uh, I guess is the players club is sort of a, uh, behind a, the firewall of monies. Yes. It is. Okay. A, it is a money firewall. Right, right. So I just did the players club. Never not funny. 19 F was the episode number and title. F as in fighting. As in. <laughs> <laughs> Was part of the fighting club. Was an again. underwear fighting. Club. What, what, when did you? And is that going to come out before the L.A. Podfest? Yes, yes. Because yes. you're. I mean, you and Chris found and and Andy Wood and, and Dave, Dave Anthony, Anthony uh, founded the L.A. Podfest, and yeah, so I the, love it. It's a blast. It, Andy Wood is no longer with the festival. He got too busy doing other things. But it, no, you it, killed him. Yeah, we yeah, did. I had and, breakfast with him the other day. I know what happened. Yeah, no, nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> he's buried oh, in a desert. He's buried in a desert. He was having a mimosa. Yes. So I think things are working out for him. I think he'll be fine. He's, he's doing good. Yeah, but I remember you guys all from the get-go mm-hmm. founded that thing. It was Dave Anthony's idea. He came to Chris and I and we're okay. like, so this is our fifth year. Oh, okay. It's September 23rd through the 25th. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you've done it in the past this year. You're, you're busy. You're busy. Right. Fancy pants on the road. Telling, fancy telling pants, jokes and Telling skits. jokes to, to, to other folks. Uh, yeah, I told Chris, uh, give me, as soon as you find out the date, I'll block it out because there's nothing, you know, we're here. We are on a podcast. So I think we both know that podcast listeners are awesome. Yeah. And, and if anybody's willing to do a destination podcast festival, they're a serious fan. They, they want to hang out. They, yes. they are genuinely interested in going and getting some chicken fingers in a Hilton or whatever was Sofitel. Sofitel, yeah, yeah, down you know over in Beverly Center, kind of Beverly Center yeah. area. Well, last year, remember that was the year I totaled my car coming back. I know you had a, you had a couple of last I, year. I had I was a bad like, day. You fell off the stage like you had the a, same day. I did six podcasts or I did five podcasts in the stand-up show. I wanted to put you in one of those dog attack suits just so you or didn't. Or cone of shame? Yeah. Just, just calm down. Just so you didn't get hurt. I you know. Were just worried. I did Paul Gilmartin's podcast that day. I did, uh, Doug's, uh, eating one. That's the one where I fell off the stage. Him and Karen. Yeah. Uh, and then I did, um, yeah, I did one of mine, Dork Forest. That's the one we're on. And then. <laughs> So that's only three. Felt like six. No? And then I did the stand-up. So I, I think I was just there all day because I wanted to come back and see the movie, Earbuds. Right. Because you shot that over a course of a year and a half or whatever. Yeah. And then it took another to edit And we it. shot it in this backyard. All right. Because I'm in it. You're in it. I didn't get to see it because yeah. the next morning I was too scared to drive because I had totaled my car the night of. And so it, Andy was like, well, you got to get back in a car. Do you, I mean, you can Uber if you want to, but I'm saying take my car. And I was like, you'd let me take your car. And he goes, I think you should get back and start driving as soon as possible so you don't freak out about driving. And it was a couple of weeks of me being shaky about it. Sure, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, after you hit something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh turns out it might have been my fault. Uh, there was a recreation with some business cards and some <laughs> – Andy was like, oh, that looks like you. That looks like all you. <laughs> So, um, we still haven't talked about your dorkdom for nope. 10 minutes in, but that's fine. We, we've talked about the pod fest and we've talked about, so when did you, when did you get into swords? That's, I, let's do a call back to swords first. Well, I started studying martial arts for real, like seriously. I did a little in college, but I really started getting into it in 2004 and the martial arts school I was going to, uh, Jerry Blank's martial arts studio in Pacific Palisades, um, they started to have samurai class there. Okay. And it was taught by this, uh, man, uh, uh, Master Shimabukuru, who was like one of the better swordsmen on the face of the earth. And oh, he has wow. a book out called Flashing Steel. Flashing Steel? Yeah. That's it's a fantastic. Great name. It's fantastic. The first half of the book is all history and philosophy. It's great. About, um, about samurai? Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. It's living in the samurai code and victory comes with the sword still in the scabbard. And how do oh, you, there you go? And, and, and so, um, most of the people in the samurai class were people that had already studied other martial arts. And so like everyone in, I was the only guy and one of the only guys in the class that only had one black belt. Like everybody else had all these black belts with all these other styles. So it really attracted like, uh, people that were really into martial arts. Okay. And so I was studying regular karate, which is just like, you know, practical fighting and stuff like that, which right, is right. fun. And, uh, Learned some weapons, nunchucks, and the well, there you go, the sai and the bow, and then What's I a sai sai is the uh, electroism. It's like the the pitchfork thing. Oh, okay. Oh, the the uneven uh, pitchfork thing. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I started going to that class, and 
uh, just really loved it. It's very much a more of a Zen thing and it's about, you know, be, you gotta be real methodical and everyone's like, Oh, well, there's no, pre- when would you use this? There's no practical application. Well, first of all, zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Um, your gun's going to reload. My blade will not need to be reloaded. Right. I can find a whetstone to yeah, sharpen it. Yes. It'll be fun. Weapon maintenance. You're cleaning your, your gun, uh, mm-hmm. between combat sessions is when I would keep my sword polished and straight. Um, and so did they, did you get a sword when you joined or did they give you wooden swords to start with? Or you start with wooden swords. They don't just like, here's the most deadliest. Here's a pointy, yeah. sharp thing. The sharpest thing on the face of the earth. Um, right. So yeah, you start with a wooden one and you, it's, it's so detailed. It's so intricate. Your hand, all this stuff. And, um, I really, the first like class I really did, I was like, I feel like I've been looking for this my whole life. Right. Um, and you know, cause it is, is it deliberate? I, it feels like one of those, those kind of studies where you have to make sure like you move in a specific way and you're holding it right and hold it there for a second and then sort sort of like yoga poses but not right it's Just, so deliberate like yeah. that's the best word i mean it 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 is very specific and the teachers are not in a bad way but they they're very critical of like you know they this, want you to do it right exactly yeah. but like you, that's a half inch off oh wow well, like that yeah. kind of so you really and i really I, I gravitated to that and um I was training with, you know, he, his dojo was in uh, San Diego. So he'd come up and train with us once a month. Okay. We'd train once a week. So, and then he got sick and passed away and it was, it was, it was. So how long did it, did you get to train with him? Just only about 18 months. Okay. And, but the thing I learned, you know, was I could, I was part of me. He's like, man, I wanted to train with this guy forever and go study in Japan and all this. But one of the philosophies you sort of learn is that. You know, you sort of stay in the moment and I was blessed. I got to train with this guy for 18 months. Yes. And when are you ever going to train with a master at anything? A master, anybody, anybody, you know, like a true master, like he, um, you know, could call the emperor of Japan. And that guy would take his call. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He was, so it was, he just was a spectacular person and his philosophy, the way he, he just had one of those guys, the way he carried himself, the way he entered a room, you're just like, Wow. Mm-hmm. And not in a, and not in a like, oh, I'm going to whoop your ass, but just, he had just a presence about him. Right. It wasn't cocky. It no. was just sort of, uh, I'm clearly good at something. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. But, but not, but not without humility, not without a so certain much amount humility. of, yeah. And, and, you know, in his book, he, he talks about, you know, he even says like, so what's the point of this? We, no one's going to walk down the street and get into a sword fight. So right. why why would you do this? And you can't like, openly carry your sword. Oh, it's bullshit. Laws need to change. Make America great. Um, so, uh, um, so I, uh, one of the things he had in there was like, so what is the point of this? Well, he's talked about like, it was all about the samurai code was all about honor. Right. And, and living a life of honor and dying with honor. And it wasn't that samurais, you know, had a death wish. Right. It was that they, you know, everybody knows they're going to die. They wanted to live a purpose, a life of purpose. Okay. And a life of service. The word samurai literally means to serve. Okay. So it was about, um, well, that's kind of neat. It was great. Yeah. And, uh, to be of some use and to, and to give back to others. Mm-hmm. That's ideal. And also to be able to sword fight. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was sort of like they trained themselves to be the perfect weapon and then hopefully never had to use it. 
Okay. Because once you drew the sword, mm-hmm. it's kind of game on. Yeah. So you were risking your life too. That's the other thing. That's why I say the gun is the coward's weapon because I could just shoot someone and there's no repercussions. Where if in a, in a fist fight or even in a sword battle, right. I'm risking my own body as well. So I better be it, it damn near needs to be the last resort. It has to be important. It has, yeah. <laughs> it has to be important. Just, if we're going to fight each other, yeah. uh, like like children, yeah. essentially, like scrabbling around in the dirt like animals. It's uh, going to yeah. hurt both of us. Right. A gun with the, a ranged weapon yeah. is, is, I see why they might think that that's just pointless. It's, There's no... Right. I mean, I get... Yeah. So... um one of the things he talked about in his book, Flashing Steel, was like, so in, in today's world, you're not going to get into a sword battle. Um, but let's say you're having an, a, a business disagreement with somebody. How can you re- resolve that with both of you keeping your honor? Okay. So how can we come to a resolution? Because if I... Oh, that sounds incredibly Japanese. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Okay. And it's like, so if I just like whatever you and I are arguing and I just steamroll over you and I quote unquote, get my way. You're not going to like me. You're not going to respect me. You're not going to want to do business with me again, maybe. Right. But if we come to a conclusion where we both go, Oh, I, okay, that's cool. I get that. You know, okay. I, I agree with you or, you know, or I don't agree with you, but you have made your point and yeah. we're going to, I respect it. I yeah. respect your opinion. Yeah. We don't have to agree. That's mm-hmm. cool. So those are, that's where like the victory comes with the sword still in the scabbard. And if okay. someone's really pissed off, how can you diffuse the situation? Without acquiescing to them, right? Without losing your honor, right? And with also without taking theirs. How does that how how does that manifest itself when you're when you're just studying with a sword? Is uh, there is there like a lecture series that goes along with sort well, of the? Well, there, there is. The, I mean, honestly, like a this, teaching. This book is. How do you pronounce his name again? Uh, Shimabukuro. Shimabukuro, yeah. and it's flashing steel. Flashing steel. Okay, yeah. So. Um, because it's so precise and there's so much repetition, mm-hmm. that sort of – he goes, what you should be training is you're not cutting someone down. You're cutting down your own ego. You're, you're cutting down your sort of defects of character, your – you know, oh, I'm impatient, or I might fly off the handle, or, or. Oh, so it's a, it's, it's an example of how to learn to do things patiently and mm-hmm. correctly the first time, and, and, yeah. and the practice. Sort of a meditation-y kind of thing. Very much so. Part of it is too, he said, you know, if you make a mistake, cause they're, they're called, uh, wazas, which is like a form. Like you've seen them in many martial arts and karate, they're called katas. Okay. It's like a, it's like a series of moves together and it has a specific name and you do these specific moves together, right? Okay. So when you're performing these wazas or what they call batahos, batahos are also sort of com- more combat applicable. Okay. Where the wazas are, some of them are more sort of, they're the art part of martial arts. Okay. Any martial art style has this. Right. It's, it's sort of what they, they're forms and you have to do it in front of judges and then they give you a belt. That's part of it. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So as you go. But that's not the point of it, but I mean, that's, that's how I, it's manifested when I have been in a conference room or possibly a large gymnasium (laughs) and I'm watching a child. And they're doing forms. Right. But yeah. That, yeah, that is, so that is part of usually the testing in any martial arts style. You do the forms. Right. And then you would probably spar and you, you know, do all this sort of stuff. So like sparring is like the practical application. Right. Um, whereas the forms is sort of the art part of martial arts. Okay. So when we practice these wazas, and then we did kind of a form of sparring with the wooden sticks mm-hmm. where you're, 
you're throwing it's sort you're sword fighting, so you're blocking and you're countering and stuff like that. Um, but again, so in the waza, like if you make a mistake, one of the things he talks about is samurai. So I go, oh damn it! Yeah, you keep going. Right. Okay, I made a mistake. I'm going to keep going. And and right, you don't wallow in it, even no. for as if if you can just not even wallow for a heartbeat, that'd mm-hmm. be great. Because it stops your momentum. Yeah, it stops your momentum. Like if you have a problem with someone, you saw you resolve it with that person privately. You don't go into a big thing with everybody else. Right. Um so it's it's it was it's really it was really fascinating um studying with him and you know, I'd love to find another school. Um because at he, that level or something. At that level because I missed it when he passed away and the the guys that are still in my class they're 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 very competent swordsmen. They're they're good, but it's it's, it's different. Not a, it's a, it's not a slam on them, and we yeah. all felt it. We all missed him. There was this huge void, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've been looking. I, I went to. I sat in last year at uh, Dan and Santo. He studied with Bruce Lee. Okay. At his school in the marina. It's God. It's awesome, but it's so expensive. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too. Is that is is to find someone that gifted or that talented. It's it's got to be expensive to take those classes, right? It's so expensive. So I mean, I found I is found it thousands a cheap, of dollars, or no, is it a hundred bucks a week? What are we it's, talking? It's about? a couple. You know, it depends. It's a hundred or two. It's between like one and two or three hundred bucks a month. Oh wow! Okay, it, it starts to add up. It and, does add up, especially if it's only one class a week. It's, some of them have more classes. I mean, okay. each school's different or whatever. Yeah. So it's 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 I. I but it's a commitment it's financially, a, and I mean, you want it to be a you want it to be an emotional commitment and right. a physical commitment. But. And you also then have to have the time. The last two years, I haven't done much martial arts because I've been focusing so much on getting earbuds done. Right. So I haven't right. had the time or the money right. to do it, and I really sort of miss it. I think that's sort of my vision of what the last part of my life would be is just sort of training. Okay. And going on a spiritual path. Pad, pad, pad around yeah. India That'd with a ball. Awesome. Yeah, it'd be pretty great. Because show business is going to make me want to murder. Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, that it sounds like it's a really great way to learn to be patient about show business. Yeah. You, it, it, just it, because you can transfer it to the rest of your life mm-hmm, that's, kind of thing. That's a great thing. And I've I've learned... From, from that and also yoga, you know, yoga is very much about being present. And, you know, I come from like a, like I said, I played football in high school and I, you know, right. I came from like a push it, go, don't be right. a pussy, you know, like, and that, that doesn't, you don't do that in yoga. <laughs> right, if, right. If you push too hard, that's how you get injured. Yes. You know, and you're supposed to like, you want to be bendy. You want to be bendy. And you know what? If today you're not that bendy, it's okay. Yeah. Like that's a big thing I've learned in the last, so the last three years I started doing yoga because I had, I had chronic hip and back pain and it got really bad from sitting on planes and I had to really sort of, I couldn't run anymore. Mm -hmm. I I can run, but just, it's really hurts. Right. So you don't want to. I don't want to. I'm going to say no. (laughs) Say no to the running. Yeah. Whenever anything hurts, I never want to do it again. I'm always good. That's a, it's one of my learned skills. It's, but I like the idea of, of, the flashing steel just being sort of a, a dialogue of how to how to like bring it into the rest of your life, right? But the study of itself, like, so did you have? Did you? What kind of sword fighting is it? Is it? Well, it's it's again, it's it's very it's very sort of the in the sword. It's very sort of choreographed. 
because it's it's your it's danger. Even with the wooden ones, yeah. someone can get really hurt. Okay. So like when I studied, you know, karate, you can spar, you put on gloves and a mouthpiece and, and, and padding and you can just start throwing punches and kicks. Okay. And you still can kind of get dinged up doing that. Right, so, just a little bruised. A little bruised. Yeah. But you're throwing a wooden sword at another person that's uh, Are you throwing it? Into their mouth because they won't shut it. No, I <laughs> No, I'm saying I mean I don't mean actual throwing. You're, I right. mean you're 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 swinging the sword, so you have to kind of do these choreographed moves to practice the 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 cuts and the blocks. Okay. So to get your but they need to be able to see them coming so they can block them. Yeah, and you need to, so as you get more advanced, and I have not become this advanced. Right. I've seen advanced like when Master Shim, Shimabukuro was alive, and I saw him with guys that had been studying with him for twenty years. Right. They would do some amazing. It looked like a samurai movie. Like right. They were doing amazing stuff, but he's like very much. You got to work your way. Right. Up. You're you're a year into this. You're eight yeah, months. Yeah. Into this. Settle down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't don't assume that yeah. everyone's going to know what you're doing. Easy so. road comic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, your autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, then that is another thing too. So America, we're such a goal oriented culture. Yeah. So, in when martial arts first started, there, there was white, brown, and black belt. Okay. The reason why in the – like a thousand years ago, you had a white belt that kept up your pants. Okay. You trained. When it became brown, you'd been in the dirt. You oh. didn't wash your belt. Oh, there's a history of the belt. Yeah. So the belt then became black. When it when you'd been training outside for that long and your belt was black, that's – That was – that's why you got a black belt. That's how – that's – It was the 10,000 hours. It, it was. that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So in olden times when – Right. It wasn't just them going, Hey, you're going to need to give me $27 for a new belt. Yeah. And you got to right. take these tests or whatever. It was <laughs> right. like, so that's where it really came from. So okay. the belt colors was a thing that had to happen in America because Americans were like, you know, the kids. I need a sense I need, of, yeah. I would like to graduate from grade school. Yeah. I need to okay. get this and I need that and I need a gold star. Mm-hmm. So that was the other thing. <laughs> Very supportive. The two of us. <laughs> If you have a green belt, we don't mean any harm. I'm yeah. all, it's all working out for yeah. you. Just know that you're not a real warrior. Oh, you're a real warrior. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's, but I mean, it's, it's interesting studying all of these several, these different Japanese martial arts. You really see, and, and, and I'm sure you've gotten this too. When you travel around the world, you really get to kind of view American culture. Oh, right. Differently. So, so if they look at the martial art, like if the Japanese are looking at the martial arts and they're like, what do you have, a yellow belt? So they're slightly confused and... Well, they're just like, I mean... I so, see what you're doing. Yeah, okay. You need okay. to have a more of a measuring stick uh where we just had, you know, year, dirt. years between right. <laughs> dirt or whatever. So so that was the thing with with the samurai style. Now, again, he had all these belt cues. I mean, he... he you. You went up. You didn't get colored belts, but you were just had a cue, a number. You started it, then you started at zero. You had no number, then you were seven, six, five, and you went all the way up to one. What the hell happened? I don't know. What was that? I don't know. Look at that. All right. Our lives are complete. You know, he would test. He wouldn't test that often, but that was the other thing too. When I studied karate, it was like, you know, you were tested almost every six months or, right. you you know, you're sort of encouraged. And that, that's, that's not a bad thing. I'm not, you know. no, it's encouraged to look at where you're at and it's, it's, and a new set of eyes. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's good to sort of say, 
I liked tests in the sense that, I, you know, I didn't like, oh, and this belt didn't matter to me, but I liked the sort of like goal of this test is on this date down the road. You need to learn this list. You got to of- make sure that the forms are right yeah. by then. You got to yeah, l- deadline. I don't mind a deadline. I'm, I'm a good deadline guy. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm not going to do anything unless there's a uh, deadline. I, so yeah. chop, chop with the deadline. We were just like, hey, maybe we might do a podcast festival. <laughs> it never would have happened. <laughs> Right. How about we get some dates? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I put my credit numbers. card on the line and then I guess I'll get my shit together. <laughs> so. So yeah, but it was, he was very much about the patience and if you weren't ready, you'd get, you, you wouldn't pass. And, um, and the etiquette, there was so, there's so much, every martial art has etiquette, but it was really emphasized how you bow you know, how you bow to the sword, bow to the teacher, bow to the style, okay. how you hold your sword, how you carry yourself. All of that was really, really important. And I, I must say, I truly miss that. And right. I need to go back to it because I, I appreciate sort of, because it's it, like the Japanese have a tea ceremony, mm-hmm. which, um, is very methodical. Right. And here's the history of the Japanese tea ceremony. Please. This guy had offended a samurai. Okay. And the samurai was like, okay, I'm coming by tomorrow and <laughs> we're going to duel. You, oh, this is, this is how it was done in old yeah. days. So the guy, the samurai showed up. He said, sir, can I make you some tea? And took forever to do it. Right. But did it so, this is so Japanese, so perfectly, so methodically. It's not so about beautifully. So beautifully. It's not about hurry up, make me the tea, America style, get it quick. Yeah, yeah. It was like, do it right. Mm hmm. That by the end of the tea ceremony, the samurai was like, that was beautiful. I forgive you. There you go. You know, you've, you've regained your honor and mine by making this effort to make the tea. Yeah. So now that's a thing. And it's, it's not about, it's, it's about taking the time. Yeah. And so our lives are just any modern life is, is hectic. Yeah. And whatever, whoever's listening out there, whatever job or life you have, there's just some crazy hecticness to it, you know? And Right. And the multitasking and the whole insanity of it all. You know, I and mean, te- someone's listening to a podcast and working right now. Right now. Right yeah. now. And, and look, we obviously, you and I both love technology. It's why yeah. we can sit here in your living room and people all over the world can hear us. Right. But also technology is like, Jesus, it never rests. Right. It's, it, it is literally the city that never sleeps and. It's my phone has been buzzing this entire time. Right. Like it, so it never ends. Whereas, you know, when we were younger kids or whatever, you had a home phone and you left and then there was voicemails when you got back. And you, if, if we didn't even have an answering machine, right. Oh, as yeah. a little kid. Well, yeah. no, we didn't have an answering machine. I remember we when we got call waiting, I was like 13. And it was like, Oh my God. Right. My parents were like, I don't need that. Yeah. What am I going to do with that? I would, I'm going to talk to you one called, person at a time. And there was a busy signal. There was a busy signal, and if you called and it was dinner time, the, the, uh, my stepmother would just answer the phone and go, "We're eating," and then hang up you without know, even finding right. out who called. Who's calling at dinner time? Yes, it was like something out of a. So I love the idea of this sort of patience, the idea of this sort of taking taking time to navel gaze and breathe and and really learn how to do that. So I I learned from this experience that, um. So for starters, a lot of the sword moves are over your head. So I can't do them in my apartment unless I'm doing them from a kneeling position. Okay. So my apartment complex has a roof deck. So when I started doing the samurai, I was like, oh God, I'm going to go on my roof. Yeah. So what I started from there is 
I used to keep my phone on and I'd wake up and I'd tweet and blah, 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 blah. Now I turn my phone off when I go to bed. Yeah. When I wake up, I don't turn it on until I go on my roof. I go on my roof for a half an hour. I read, I meditate, and I practice the sword. Okay. Yeah. And I, that's how I start my day. That's a great... And I, you know... I turned my phone off uh, when my stepmother died. Uh, I don't have the phone on at night because everyone dies at two in the morning. Yeah. And guess what? Still going to be dead in the morning. Uh, I can't fucking, I'm not going to do a a flight to make sure I can get out. No. I don't want to get a jump on the grieving. I don't need to be sad for an extra (laughs) six hours. I don't need to to get a jump on the grieving. (laughs) It's not, it's, and, and it, maybe it sounds callous, but I'm like, I'm going to get a good night's sleep. And then I'm going to figure out what the fuck the next step is. Yeah. That's my, that's my plan. That's my, <laughs> so. I, and, and like, so I will be awake for a half hour, 45 minutes or more before I finally turn my phone on. Yeah. And then I'll look at the internet and my phone, but I don't read. I don't watch TV. I don't get on the internet. I don't do anything. I go up, I go outside. Yeah. So anybody listening, if you have any outdoor, whatever, you got a patio, you got a backyard, you got a roof deck, you got to just find and just be out in nature first. And in I the sort morning. of get, yeah, in the morning. It's great. And it sounds I, like a great idea. I get focused and then, and then, you know, especially like now, like the, the podcast festival is, is close. It's like a week away. Yeah. And it's crazy amount of work and it's, there's no, there's no, Nothing's blowing up. It's just, right. but this is what it is every year at this time. Right. It's, there's just a, a thousand things to yeah. do and it's think just, about and organize and make sure that everybody has answers to. Yeah. Yeah. And this and this and this. And so, so I, I, if I, if I just, and also, you know, this or anyone out there that's self-employed. Yeah. Your job never ends. Right. There's no, there's no hours. You don't punch out. Yeah. It never stops. So the beauty of that is, you know, a Thursday afternoon last week, I went surfing. Right. <laughs> in the middle of the day, I worked right. at home for a couple hours and I was like, fuck this. I'm going outside and I surfed and came back and worked more. That's the beauty of it. But the beauty, but the, the downside is it never ends when you're running your right. own business. There's always something to do. So I found I have to really try to schedule myself. Yeah. And that's one of the make things. Make your own boundaries. I have to make my own boundaries because, and that's one of the things I learned from the samurai. Yeah. Is like, they were methodical men. Yeah. They were calligraphers. They, they, and they had hobbies and arts and. Right, they, they had other things. They had other things that they did. And they right. did the tea ceremony and all this stuff that has been, been sort of created over centuries. But the, was the samurai at the job? Yeah. That or was, was the, that was the job? That, that was your job. You served the shogun. Okay. You served the, one of the shoguns. You, you, you were at the behest of them. There was a mini series. I didn't I, see it. <laughs> They're a female samurai too. Oh yeah? Yeah. Well that's kinda neat. Mulan? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Was it Mulan and her boyfriend? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a series now. <laughs> um so it's like yeah, it, it, it's so, so they, th- that was their work. So they could have the rest of their lives. They could read and they could have art and they could have music or they could mm-hmm. sit around and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, raise sheep or have a garden in their backyard or whatever. Well, that was it. The Japanese garden is another thing that's like that. Oh, right, right. That whole beautiful. And again, it's the same. It's about the precision of it. It's about taking the time to do it correctly. You know, in Minneapolis, 
uh, when I worked at Northern Sun Merchandising, hippie t-shirt and poster shop, still in business. I'm sure there's some lovely anti-Trump items if you'd like to get some of that. Any uh, veggie oil uh, bumper uh, stickers out uh, there? There's no doubt uh, some sage that's been bundled that's available. So, uh, but when Get I, the bad spirits out of your new place, guys. <laughs> so we, we had an 800 number, and this guy would call every couple of days, and he was in Stillwater Prison in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. And he... He got the number because there was an article about him and an article about Northern Sun in the paper next to each other. And he was in, and he always called and, and he would always joke that he was a political prisoner. And, uh, I was like, I remember he had been doing it for years when I started working there. And so I just, and they're like, no, don't worry. Bill's fine. Don't worry about Bill. Talk to Bill. And so I would talk to Bill for like 20 minutes or as long as they would let him use the phone. It was an 800 number so he could dial out. And he, and, and I remember him telling me, I said, well, Bill, what did you do? And he said, well, they think, they say, I didn't do it, but they say I killed a pizza delivery guy. Anyway, uh, I was like, how is that political? And he's like, oh, that's political. Anyway, uh, so he was very funny and horrible. Uh, but, but he started, the reason there was an article is that he had started the bonsai tree. Uh, he had started the bonsai class. He'd studied bonsai, making bonsai mm-hmm. trees and had had shared it with other inmates. And so there was this class that everybody would make a, would, could trim their bonsai trees. And there was nothing more. I, I, I thought it was fascinating that a guy who was incarcerated would incarcerate a tree. Like essentially bonsai, making bonsai, you wrap this wire mm-hmm. and shape it in the way that you want it. Mm-hmm. Which is what the prison system does, <laughs> right? And you trim it and you do this and you crimp it and you cage it and you fucking. Anyway, so went to visit him and, uh, cause everybody at Northern Sun had gone to visit Bill at some point. And so me and my friend Maureen, uh, dashed off and went to visit Bill and Bill gave us each a bonsai tree as a gift. And I killed mine in a week, uh, cause, uh, there turns, turns out it's a lot of work bonsai yeah. trees mm-hmm. but it was so beautiful the tree was so beautiful i felt really bad because of how much work had been put into it and talk about a precision kind of thing well i think that's a, a, it's a, many of these sort of eastern or or specifically japanese things like the the garden the raking of the garden the tending of the garden is a meditative exercise it right. is to clear your mind of all of the other stuff. And that's why you focus on the bonsai tree or right. the garden or yeah. the sword or whatever. So that, because even like for me, meditating is kind of hard. My brain, like I'm sure you and a lot of comics, our brains are kind of always moving. Yeah. And, and that's not just exclusive to being a comedian. <laughs> Most people's no, no. brains are kind of going all over the place. Yeah. And then me, you know, just, I've had a lot of shit. I've had a lot of demons to deal with. And, and without these things, I, I would maybe go nuts. So, um, I mean, I think about the fact that every day you meditate for half an hour and yet sometimes you're so full of rage. What would you be like if oh you God, didn't meditate? It's crazy. Imagine if I, if I ate crappy food and didn't work out and do yoga, I'd be dead. Right. I mean, well, I would, I would be dead. Right. Or I'd in prison with Bill. I get possibly. Cause the I, pizza guy got a little lippy with his exactly. politics. Exactly. He didn't, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was this thing where, um, cause I don't do any of that. I do nothing. I mm-hmm. do a whole lot of, uh, bullshit. I do mm-hmm. nothing. Uh, my meditative thing is I reread books that I've read a hundred thousand times before. It is soothing. I know how they end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out and, uh, and I like to, I'd like to reread. So, 
but I would like to do something else. You know, it'd be nice to get outside and it's, I got to tell you, the being outside thing is huge for me. Um, I was never a camping outdoor. I just wasn't, you weren't that guy, but you surf. That changed it for me. Cause I'm lit. You're literally sub, you know, you're immersed in nature. Right. You know, right. so that, and there's dolphins that swim by and fish and, and. And you, where, do you go surfing off of like Santa Monica or Yeah, Venice? just down by Santa Monica where I live, Santa Monica, you, Venice area. Can you, I didn't even know you could swim in that water. It's yeah, you clean can, and yeah, it's just fine. Okay. Everyone has this idea that it's just like. Like, I don't know. It's a giant oil slick. Who yeah, knows? Is that syringes where the, and. <laughs> right. Is that where the plastic garbage island is? No. <laughs> the plastic garbage <laughs> island. It's a. Um, so yeah, I, I. But I, the thing How I've, long have you been surfing? I've been surfing for 10 years. Okay. So kind of comparable. Yeah. Cause 2004 with the samurai. 2004 with this, with the martial arts. 2006 with the surfing? Surfing. Yeah. I, I started surfing. I, I, um, came back from my second comedy tour to Afghanistan. Uh, the second one was in April of, of 06 and I went there with Shay Matash and it was a pretty amazing experience, but it was also like we were on a black hawk that Came under fire. We were in a firefight. Right. Um, and then they. That's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I never, nobody ever shot at me when I was in Iraq, but I was terrified that someone was going to the whole, because you're in a war zone. Yeah. It's no bullshit. You know, when you go over there, you you can watch it on the movie and the movies or CNN or an embedded reporter, but until you're sitting on a Black Hawk and there's two 60 caliber machine guns pointed out the window and they're firing and they're, yeah. And they were lighting guys up and, and they deployed countermeasures and you know, when that stuff happens and then they took us into um, uh, an operating theater in, in, at Bagram and they were prepping. They were, there was one, a 13 year old Afghan boy who got hit with an IED. And so his, they were putting his like jaw and face back together. So I saw the exposed bone of a 13 year old boy's jaw. Jesus. And then there was a nine year old boy that got, was playing in a minefield because it's the most heavily mined country in the world because of the Russians in right. the eighties. Um, and, uh, and nobody polices their brass when oh. it comes to mines with their asshats. Take your mines with you when you leave. No. Fuckers. No. So weird the Soviet Union wasn't really a... I don't even think the U.S. did in Korea or no. Vietnam, no, right? No. They just plant them and then take and then, off. Yeah, Bye. We're done. We're done having our war. We're yeah. leaving. Sorry. Good luck. Yeah. Third world country. Right. Jesus. Um. So, yeah. And then they were prepping a nine-year-old boy for brain surgery and, um, I got back and so there's the second time I'd been to Afghanistan and I just got back and I was just kind of out of it. The first time in 04 I went, I was kind of out of it. This time I, I went on this tour, like, I know what I'm doing. I'm not freaked out. Yeah. And then that happened towards the end of the tour. And well, it's, it's you know, we fed kids through barbed wire and uh, yes. Yeah. So I got back and was just kind of out of it. And, mm-hmm. and April 27th, 2006 was the day we got in the firefight. Mm-hmm. And we deployed uh, flares, which are countermeasures. And I found out later that's to countermeasures to distract a rocket. So you've been targeted and there's a rocket. Right. And so the rocket will then chase the flare versus the heat signature from the a helicopter. thing that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. So Holy I, crap. I was like, oh, we almost got blown out of the sky. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Um, And so I just was like... I just sort of checked out and my buddy Walker Yule, who does the AV for Podfest, 
he had gone back to college mm-hmm. and was like, I'm graduating. I want to give myself a present. What do you think we take surf lessons? I was like, let's do it. All right. So we took surf lessons. And then that whole summer of 06, that's kind of, I just, that's all I did was surf because I just, and we started editing Afghanistan, the documentary I did about it. Which is available on Comedy Film Nerds for download, <laughs> yep. you guys, or hard copy if you like. <laughs> just download. <laughs> oh, just download. Yeah, we didn't have the money okay. for DVDs. <laughs> it's a pay what you think is fair download, but oh, don't be a dick nice. and put a penny. Right. Um, five bucks. Come on. Ten bucks. That's yeah. what my Horcrux is on Comedy Film yeah, it Nerds. Is. It's ten bucks. Ten you bucks. know why? Because we're not Louis C.K. That's why. Yeah. I don't have a hundred thousand fans. I got three thousand fans. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, that's yeah. like ten bucks. It'll ten, be fine. Yeah, ten bucks. <laughs> Help. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have bills. Yeah. Uh, my car is 240,000 miles on it. Um, so yeah, I, I got back and just started, got, I got into surfing. And so just every day, essentially, for the summer of 2006. Yeah, because it's the other thing, too. You go out there, and I don't care how good of an athlete you are, you are going to get your ass handed to you. Right. <laughs> in, in waves that are knee high. Like, it is a really challenging <laughs> thing. Right. So not even tall, huge waves. No. And just... then there were days we went out when it was way too big, and we didn't know what we were doing, and we just got... Right. And then you lived. Yeah. Thank God. And you were like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we we... I got into surfing, and then when I finally started, I got a different, a better, bigger, thicker board and started to pop up. And ride waves. And I remember by the end of the summer, I was sitting on the beach with a couple of surf buddies. And I was like, after we just finished, I was like, I get it. And they go, what? I go, guys that just check out. They yeah. just have a backpack and a surfboard. and Right. They just, I get it. I go, I, that's all I want to do. That's right. all I want to do is this. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you not do it? Because my brother is, my brother Phil is like, uh, I'm going to get a top to my pickup truck and I'm just going to go fly fish until I die. And I, I think it was, I think it was like, well, hi, Phil. I, I owned a house at the time and I was like, well, how am I going to pay my bills? Like, right. how, how, how am I going to, you know, and am I ready to just completely like check out of society? Right. And so no. And then you I kind of regrouped, I kind of regrouped and like, let's make this film. And then I started going on and then like a year or so later, like, oh, eight started going on the road more again. And then podcasting started and then right. now I'm, I'm this like, you're that guy. I'm this podcasting businessman, but there's, it's still, especially on the days that are long and frustration, frustrating and don't pay that well is when I, I still go, okay, I just Ecuador, go. where are we going? Brazil? Where's it going to happen? <laughs> where would you just live up? Right. Where could I live? Like if someone were to say to me right now, mm-hmm. Hey Graham, here's a job, you know, whatever, working for the surf rider down in, Brazil and you just help educate kids and there's money mm-hmm. and a place to live. Right. And tuition or, you know, uh, you know, it isn't a boatload of money, but you could go surfing every day if you wanted to. Your life is your, your bills are paid. Mm-hmm. You got money for food and, and a couple little fun things and there's yep. healthcare. Yeah. I'd be like, bye. Yeah. Fair enough. And, and when that happens, I don't know if I'll tell anybody about it. I think I'm just going to drift <laughs> off. And people are going, Hey, you haven't seen Graham? Let's check yeah. his Twitter feed. Oh, nothing. Nothing. And he's done. Yeah. He's off the grid, you guys. Uh, I, uh, every time, and I've said it before, uh, every time we go to Arkansas, there's, uh, Andy owns an acre next to his dad's property. Uh, his dad's widow's there now. And, uh, she got, there's six acres, uh, in the middle of this national forest. Right. It's gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in the world. And I have genuinely, I've been to some amazing places. Yeah, yeah. And it's in Arkansas. <laughs> but all the people that I've met in Arkansas, uh, as far as I could tell, are hiding from something. 
Yeah. They're off the grid <laughs> and they're, they're not, they don't have regular jobs. And I live here in Los Angeles where nobody has any job, right? Everyone's consistently making up jobs. I saw something on Facebook. There's a guy in Silver Lake who will walk you. He's not a dog walker. He's a people walker. And you pay him 15 bucks and he'll walk around with you. He's going to be a billionaire. A billionaire. And uh, only if he only. I got to let go of just like ethics and just start some just full on flim flam bullshit. Like (laughs) I'm going to protect your dog's soul after you die or whatever. Like (laughs) I don't, I don't, I was thinking about, I have a lot of friends who have uh, uh, like service animals and they're emotional service animals. Right. And I was thinking about the commitment, some of those dogs, not all dogs. And if uh, you're hearing this, uh, it's not about you. How about that? Uh, but maybe it is. Think about, cause I was, I went to visit my in-laws. Andy has two moms. They live upstate in the Central Valley and we go to visit and they have these two little dogs that, uh, one's like a pound dog and the other one, they just found it. Right. And so, and then they have a cat that they just found. Like mm-hmm. the, Andy's family doesn't buy animals. They just, have animals. Animals show up and they're like, well, that animal is going to die unless mm. we freaking fix it. And so now we've I, got a ferret. Now we have a dog. Now I have an iguana, which is why we have an iguana. And an um, iguana just showed up here. Uh, Andy was at work and a guy bought three iguanas. Impulse bought three iguanas. Where does this happen? Is uh, this PlayStation, a- uh, Sony PlayStation in the, in 25 years ago. And Andy was like, you can't have three iguanas. They grow to be like three, four feet long. And the guy's like, <laughs> Oh yeah, somebody told me that. And so, does anybody want an iguana? <laughs> and so Andy was like, "I'll take an iguana." And some other guy took an iguana. Those two guys, they killed their iguanas within months. And Andy has had his iguana for twenty three years. And um, your iguana is twenty three years old. Yes. And hilariously, when I met Andy fifteen years ago or whatever it is now, I said, "How old's the iguana?" And he told me, and he goes, oh, "About ten, twelve. And I said, "How long do iguanas live?" He said. 15, 20 years. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, how long do iguanas live? He's like, eh, 25, 30 years. And I'm like, it keeps changing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 60, 70 years. Right? We're in for the duration with this iguana. But, um, now is the iguana in the will? The iguana, the, if you guys like, pass before. Right, right. Who gets the iguana? We got, we're going to we'll have to leave him to Mike Rickberg. Mike Rickberg loves the iguana and he has a weird pet too. He's got a pig. Uh, so, uh, that lives in his backyard. God damn it. Well, like blocks from here. Every too. time I think I'm a wingbird. <laughs> I, I... You meet someone who has a pet pig that's yeah. 300 pounds yeah. and, and he hasn't eaten any of it. Like he hasn't even, you know that old joke joke? <laughs> about the, the three-legged pig. Have you ever heard that joke? No. It's essentially about a traveling salesman who meets a farmer that has a three-legged pig and the farmer, the, the, the salesman's like, how'd your pig lose its leg? And the farmer's like, well, you know, this pig saved our lives. It, uh, you know, came and woke us up when the house was on fire or some damn thing. Yeah. And there's like three of them because it's a joke, right? right? And then finally the salesman's like, did they lose the, did he lose it in the house fire? He's like, no. Oh, did he lose it when he pushed you out of the way of the tractor? No. And finally, he's like, how did he lose a leg? And the farmer goes, well, you can't eat a pig like that all at once. (laughs) And he's like, what a dick. (laughs) And it's a joke joke, so I don't know why I care about that pig's feelings. (laughs) Because the pig isn't real. (laughs) Oh, definitely pick pick this aside in a joke joke. And defend it. Right, right. Emotional. Well, get attached. Well, at least farmers' daughters. Now, hold on. Now, they're not being treated well. This doesn't seem fair. 
And those those women need to commit to their own lives <laughs> instead of looking for some salesman to do this take bartender away. that these three ethnic men walked into seems <laughs> super judgment. <Yeah. laughs> Anyway, so Andy's moms have these two dogs, and they're adorable dogs, and they are entirely fucking dogs. They're just dogs. You throw things, they bring them back to you, they interrupt your life, they (laughs) want to be pet, they bark a little, so one of them barks too much, and... um, that's all but, dogs do is interrupt your life. <laughs> they're super supportive. They're super yeah. annoying. That is a dog. That is it's a beautiful <laughs> dog experience. I love dogs with the power of the sun. And his stepmom, Fran, is just, she loves those dogs. They all, they both, Andy's mom loves the cat, but they both love all the animals, right? But Fran is like, I love the dog. I love the dog. Oh, well, the dog is acting up. I yell at the dog. Stop doing that dog. And instead of, uh, this is my emotional support vehicle, right? Where, uh, just people who are like, you can just picture, they shake. These, some of these service animals that I've met, they shake so bad that you're like, okay, so late at night, you're just crying with this dog in your hands, right? And the, and the weight of the world is on that fucking dog. <laughs> and I don't know if it's true or if it's just, I just feel bad sometimes. It's not fair to the dog. It doesn't, much like the pig in the joke, uh, I (laughs) have made up a fictional life for somebody else's dog. Or just like I was at some, I was at some, um, it was a coffee shop and it was a dog in a service vest and the dog, so I saw a kid go up to the dog and and the kid was like, can I pet the dog? And the woman goes, no, he bites. And, uh, I was like, yeah, he bites because he's he's got all of your emotions and his own. And I, I've anthropomorphized the dog too much. Obviously, I mean, I've I've gone, I've lost my shit. I'm so sorry. I've 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 derailed the dork force. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite sword movie? Let's do it. Oh, oh I don't. I was. I want to actually more about surfing a little bit because you've obviously ten years now. You can stand up. Right? Oh yeah, I sir. I mean, it's like I surf you, two three times a week. And it's and, a part of my life. It, right. It has like when I in the winter, if I'm on the road a lot, I'll be like, God, I haven't surfed in two weeks. And I'm like, it's it hurt. It affects my mood. Right. You know, um, it's just got to be a fight with the waves the whole time, though. Right. Or well, until you the, get out there until you get it's the conditions you go out in. And, you know, I've sort of there's certain breaks I go and I sort of know where time and, when and time and the, t- the ties. I know time and space. <laughs> And I bend it so that I can get out of the wave. <laughs> oh, interesting. Time traveler's wife, Graham Elwood. Yeah. I should be so much more wealthy. There's no reason I'm struggling to pay my bills if I can earn uh, time. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, there's, and there's, there's surf websites that have yeah. surf cams and reports and the technology is fantastic now. Like right. how they did it in the fifties. It's just like you went outside and went, well, all right. You know, mm-hmm. and then giant wave comes. You had no idea. Right. Um, so now you can, they predict the week and you can be like, Ooh, Thursday. And you know when it's going to be low tide and that's okay. the best time to go. And it's, it's low tide's the best time. Typically. Cause then you, cause then you can get out past some sort of, it's not about point. getting, it's not about getting out past the point so much. It's, it's, uh, Waves are caused by the ocean's floor, Jackie. So are they caused by the ocean's floor? Yes. So on a wave, a storm. I thought it was the moon. What the? (laughs) Well, I was misled. (laughs) So a storm will happen way out in the middle of the ocean that sends a rippling effect to the waves. Okay. So um, if there's like if you've ever been in like a dock, yeah, 
So it has to be deep for the boats. Yes. So there's not big, there's not rolling waves typically in there unless there's like a giant storm right there. Right. So they just kind of come in and kind of hit the, the, yeah. the, whatever, this, whatever's there. Right. Um, whereas a, a good surf break, you want sort of, um, a grade to go okay. from deep slowly up to shallow. Okay. So the wave, the, the wave is kind of coming. And then when it hits the floor of the ocean, that's when it starts to, to make the, like the, the curve, the curly cue, the curly uh, cue, the, crest. the barrel or the yeah. crest, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. It doesn't always necessarily barrel. So then when that's riding, then you want to be on what's called a shoulder or a corner. Okay. If the wave all breaks at the same time, yeah. there's nothing for you to ride. Okay. You want to be at the edge of the wave. So it's sort of pushing behind oh. you. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so because that's how the curly cue works. It it pushes you into the middle of it to some extent, or it pushes you off to the edge of it. Sure. Yeah. It, again, it's it's so specific to the direction of the waves and the, the t- which way you're pointed. Which right? way you're pointed on your board, but also the the tide and and the bottom of the floor at that specific break. So like they'll you'll go to a website and there'll be like there's a there's a swell coming from the southwest. Okay. So any southwest facing beaches mm-hmm. are going to get these waves. Okay. If you're a west or a north facing beach, you might not get it. Because uh the land <laughs> faces both west and north. Like the 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 coastline. Sure. Yeah. Well, like like Santa Monica Bay does yeah. not face due west. It faces right. southwest. Okay. So if you get down into like Orange County, yeah. the coastline kind of straightens out and it faces more due west. Okay. And there's some peaks or points where you could have an almost a north facing if like a jetty comes out, yeah. Then on the right side of it, it'll face sort of north, and on the left side, it'll face sort of south. Okay. So if the wave hits the point of that jetty, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a right or left break coming off of either side of that jetty. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I wish I had some visual aids here. No, no. Well, um, it makes sense. I don't know how you would play. How you? How would you surf a point? So yeah. Uh, so I'll give you a great example of a point. Um, so where sunset. Uh, Boulevard hits the PCH, the Pacific Coast Highway. There's okay. a point right there. Okay. And it is a it is a jetty. So the wave hits it and it hits the so the wave hits the point. How do I describe this? So the left side of the wave hits the point. Okay. So then it makes the wave break to the right. Okay. So you Yep. No matter what you do, you have to go right on this wave. Okay. Because to your left is white water. It's already broken. Okay. To your right is the... It's just bubbles. It's just... Well, it's starting to curve. Like if you've ever gone online, and anybody listening, go online and just search surf videos. Okay. And type in literally like right point break. Okay. And you'll see what I'm talking about. So like the the wave will break to the right so you have to be on your board so when you're paddling for that wave you're sort of aiming the nose to the right a little bit cuz you can tell which way it'll break yeah well especially if you know that break okay like that's a very specific break where you know that wave is going to break it's right it's always going to break almost right. always there are some lefts that yep. come in there but it's almost always rights okay so you know that going in i'm going to so oh there you go okay so that's how you know that you're like so i'm not going to want to go bare left hardly at all if yeah if ever you can but there's cuz the best wave is when you ride across the face of it as it's breaking mhm that's the most amazing thing you can ever do because you go up to like the top the lip of the wave yeah. you come back down across the face you've got your 
hand on the wave as you're going through the water. Yeah. It's like hand on glass. It's the, it's, it's the most amazing. I've played all different kinds of sports. I've skied, I've snowboarded, all this. There's yeah. nothing in my opinion. As fun as that? You're riding the pulse of the earth. <laughs> right. It's, oh, wow. It's, and you're just on a board. Yeah. You don't need to be towed in. You don't need a ski lift. You don't need any of this other craziness. Right. You just paddle out there with the strength of your own arms. Yep. And then you pop up and then you're riding this wave and there's nothing like it. And when you catch it perfectly. How long does it last? It depends on, it's not long. It's like 10 seconds? Yeah. Or? Sometimes so, less. And how, how many waves can you catch when you go out? It really like, depends. It's so exhausting. Right. Like, I mean, do you go for like a couple hours? Yeah, you'll go. I mean, I'll, and, get, and you'll try to catch as many as you can. Yeah. Okay. And you'll, and you might get what, a half a dozen? Really depends on the day yeah. and what's going on. And like, I went out the other day and it was, the tide was coming up, so it was harder. So I literally only caught two waves in like an hour, but I've gone but out worth with every moment. Every moment. <laughs> okay. It's like stand up comedy in the sense that, there's 23 hours in the day where you're either sleeping or flying or hustling gigs or mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then that 30 or 45 minutes you're on stage is, if the crowd is good, is gold. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. such a small moment of the actual day that you're an actual comedian. Right. Right. The rest of it's admin. Yeah. And exactly. Exactly. It's like, all right. Or travel or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So it's like that with surfing you're mm-hmm. you're but you're you know you're in the ocean you're sitting on a board you know i've seen dolphins crest 10 feet from me i've seen yeah seals and just screwing playing like right next to you essentially yeah. just riding the same wave or I, riding the wave before you or i've had a dolphin go under my board <laughs> it was the most amazing thing a little like uh oh whoa whoa, whoa. Uh, oh. <laughs> but it's um they have, a, they have a really good sense of distance so they, yeah he didn't knock you over right no he knew what he was doing <laughs> They're pretty good surfers, dolphins, as it yeah, turns out. Turns out, it's kind not of a how hobby to for them. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't pick it up in their thirties. So, Graham Elwood, uh, the LA Podfest is this weekend. So, um, the twenty first, September twenty third through the twenty fifth, twenty third to twenty fifth, and it's at the Sofitel over in Hollyweird, uh, off of La Cienega and Beverly Boulevard. And what's the website? The website is lapodfest.com. Um, there's not still a lot tickets, of, or st- there's still tickets. The okay. Saturday passes are, I think, sold out. There's still three-day passes. There's Friday and Sunday passes. And okay. then if you can't make it to L.A., you can watch the whole thing. Oh, that's right. There's a live streaming live. thing of the whole damn thing, isn't yes, it? Yes, the whole weekend. And we record everything and archive it for 30 days. So anything you missed, you can watch. You have a month to watch everything. And the podcast isn't – don't like last year, I got a check. Yeah. Uh, the so shows get paid. The shows get paid if you use their code. Yes. Right? And so every show has a code. Like Comedy Film. What's Comedy Film Nerd's code? CFN. Oddly enough. There you go. <laughs> so and if you do that, you save $5. So the stream normally costs 25 bucks for the whole 30 days. Right. It normally costs 25 bucks for the whole 30 days. Um, use coupon code CFN. You save $5. So and that's, that's 20. That's 20. And that's how we get paid too. You yeah. Get seven bucks every time somebody uses that coupon code. Okay. So then it's a kickback to the, the shows. It's yeah. how we pay the artists. That's and awesome. And it's a rev share and you're supporting podcasting. You're supporting this awesome festival. And, um, and, and super fun. It's a blast. And, right. It's, and if you can go next go, year, go yeah. come to it because it's, it's three days of not having to explain to anybody what a podcast is. <laughs> Oh my God, so uh, true. What channel is it on? Uh, is, where what do you want to download it? Do, oh, what time? It, is it hard? Whenever you want to. How do I get it? Oh my God, it could be less hard. Do you have an iPhone? Yeah. Then you have the app. No, right. I don't. Yeah, you do. Pull out your phone. I've done this. You have a computer? Yeah. Uh, any sort of computer. Anything any, at all. It doesn't matter. <laughs> 
It's even even your shitty computer has yeah, it. It's, so it's, it's at Graham Elwood is your mm-hmm. uh it's Graham Cracker. So Graham Elwood yep. and uh for Twitter and Instagram. And then Comedy Film Nerds is your podcast and I've been on it before and it's good times. And uh this has been a great episode. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you so much for taking time to do it. Rangers, you know the rule out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?